0: Thanks for listening to The Church at 112, where we gather together to encourage and equip each other into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, here's today's message. My my crooked sycamore tree in my backyard points out something that we easily miss in our roles as humans, uh, as man. Uh, it was Father's Day last year. That was my, my Father's Day present was a tree. I wanted a tree. I wanted a Sycamore tree. And the reason why is because like I, I wanted a, a shade tree in my backyard. And I've got a friend who works with beautification uh, and gardening and all that kind of stuff. She's, she's pretty high up in the county. And so I messaged her and I said, hey, what's a good tree that doesn't get that weird you know, those weird, like, webby, spidery looking things, but it's not spiders. It's some sort of weird pest. So what? what's a good tree? And I, and, I, and I don't want mosquitoes. I don't want it to host those Formosan termites. I said, what checks all these boxes? And she said, well, you should get a sycamore tree. I said, oh, that's great. I didn't research it, and I researched it this week, and then I realized that it was probably a bad idea, but we got one. And it's my crooked little tree. It was, it was in a five-gallon bucket when we bought it from Pine Hills Nursery right up the road. And it was maybe four feet, five feet tall. And I remember our fence had broken or our or gate had broken. And so my neighbor and my son were digging holes and setting concrete and all this jazz for that. So while they were doing manly things, I'm like, I'm going to plant my tree. And so they gave me the post hole digger. And I learned a valuable lesson uh, to to wear gloves because I... Lost part of my hand that day, and so I learned a good lesson. And then, and then from there, like just I got to sit back and watch, and I've watched it grow. I was a little worried last year there was there was a storm, and I was a little worried like is it gonna is gonna make it? Is it not? Is it too much water? And then there was the winter, and then there was drought, and there was it didn't get leaves on it for the longest time this year. And then I looked out, I looked out on on it yesterday. I'm like, man, it it has grown this year. And I just love thinking about my little sycamore tree. I mean, it's not so little anymore. I tell you that, like it started out, it started out like small. Now, I didn't buy it small. I bought it in that five-gallon bucket. But like it started out like it's a small little seed. And to think that something could start out so small... And it goes through those phases of growth, and then it gets larger and larger. The way to make that happen, though, and this is what I think that we're missing as humans, and I'll speak for myself specifically, what happens is we get to a point where we don't cultivate it the way we're supposed to. I mean, it happens in our marriages we're, we we don't cultivate our marriages. We're supposed to steward and take care of them. We don't cultivate our friendships. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you I'm bad at friendships and making friendships and elongating them and, and Keith at keeping them going. Uh, and then, and, 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 and it's with our workplaces. They even have a, a new term, what do they call it, silent quitting? Have you heard of that with, with jobs? like it's, You keep working your job, but you're, you're not giving 100%, and, and it's, it's your way of silent pro, silently protesting and, and in, a, in a form kind of quitting, but you, you stay employed. We don't do these things. And that's what we, I feel like we miss as mankind. We miss our God given role. We miss what we are intended to do. And it all starts with our roots. That's part of the reason why I'm worried about my sycamore tree, because I was reading about it this week, and the sycamore tree's roots can go really far. And I'm like, oh, how far did I plant it from the. Because back when I planted it, we didn't have a concrete pad in the back porch. Uh, in our backyard and so it was fine but now I'm thinking oh it might be too close to that what if the roots get too deep and too far and they they grow and the trunk gets really big and it's like it can grow 40 feet to 100 feet I'm just kind of worried now and I'm like I I probably need to relocate it to off my property (laughs) but we'll see I don't know that's what we've been looking at the last few weeks it's called true north like what are the things that we when we get a little bit off when we get a little bit off, and all of these things, our marriages, our friendships, our relationships, our finances, all of these things are symptomatic of a deeper issue. And the deeper issue is we sometimes get off the mark. And the mark is Jesus. so we were singing about Jesus today. We were singing about like our response to him. And that's what we were looking at in Philippians two when we started off our gathering today in scripture. Like we look at Jesus and sometimes we get off, we get off that mark. And so our series of teachings, our set of teachings that we're in right now is what do we believe at C112 as believers in Christ. We talked about Scripture. We've talked about God. We've talked about Jesus. We've talked about last week was the Holy Spirit. And so that will be available today, by the way. That, so wherever you want to listen to podcasts and messages, that will be available on, online at 112 this afternoon. But today we're looking at man. What is man's role? Like, what is, and that's what we miss so much. We miss our role. So, I'm going to tell you this is what we believe at C112. I forgot to put it up there, but I'll read it to you. It's very short. Man is made in the image of God, created to point to the Father. That's it. Man is made in the image of God, created to point to the Father. It's very simple. Very simple. We've talked about God and who He is, Jesus. He was the lengthiest statement that we've got in our beliefs. Holy Spirit, we had a couple sentences there. Man, super simple. We were created in the image of God, created to point to the Father. That's it. That's, it's that simple, but we miss it so much. And I'm like, well, how do we know that? I, I see it in all those periphery things that I told you about. Those aren't the root issues, but you can look at a, a tree and you can see that it's diseased in places. You can look at a tree and you can say, oh, there's some problem with the bark or it's got, these, it's got these pests in it or it's not growing like it should or it's stunted. You can look at these outer things and realize that there's an inner issue. And that's why we're looking at our true north. That's the thing that we largely miss as humans, not understanding the image of God in us. So that's what we're looking at today. Go, to, go on and flip to Genesis Chapter 1, and that's where we're going to be. Genesis, it starts off, and I love the book of Genesis. There's so much to go into in the book of Genesis, but it always begins with our beginning, like with the beginning of everything. So if you ever want to understand or know or look at, like, okay, what was the actual design or intent or purpose of fill in the blank? What's the design and intent and purpose of marriage? You can look at Genesis 1. What is the design and intent and purpose of family? You can look at Genesis 1. Well, where did uh, issues with, with conflict come from? You can look at Genesis, the book of Genesis. You can look at the book of Genesis for everything. Well, where is our hope for the future? You can look at the end of the curse in Genesis 3, 15, and 16. And you can find there our hope in Christ. And so I love the book of Genesis. We're going to start with day 6. Because we're going to talk about what is man that's what we often get wrong. Genesis chapter 1 verse 24 says, Then God said, He's created all these other things. This is day 6. Let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock, creatures that crawl, the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And so it was. If you look at the verses previous to this one, like directly previous to this one. God's creating, he's creating fish according to its kinds. And he's creating birds that will be in the sky according to their kinds. He's creating, like he's creating everything. He creates, I love it, every every seed-bearing plant according to their kind. He creates trees, you can look at that, according to its kind. He creates all these things and he patterned it after, like he had a mold. This is what a tree is going to be this is what a sycamore tree that James is going to plant and then he's going to have second thoughts on a year later, that's what that's going to be planted as. And this is what a fish is going to look like and James is going to be able to catch a fish for 20 years. And that's what that's going to be patterned after. Or this is what these animals are going to be patterned after that James and they are going to hunt and be able to... I don't know where I'm I'm going with that, but if you ever ever have extra meat, let me know. (laughs) God had a mold for them, a pattern for all of these things, according to their kinds. That is what kind means. And then verse 25. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, all the creatures that crawl according to their kinds. And then he saw that it was good. I love it because God spoke. He said, let there be let the earth produce. Verse 24, let the earth produce. God speaks, and then it is created. God says, let there be livestock, and then it is created. God speaks, and it is so. All of life, I love this, you can write this down. All of life listens and obeys God. Except for us. We'll get to that in a minute. But all of life listens and obeys God. And that's our problem. The psalmist says, he says, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. It let everything that has that spirit of God, that God breathes into them, let them praise the Lord. First Chronicles 16 says that the trees of the forest will sing for joy when the Lord comes. The trees. That's not some poetic license there. Literally, the trees are screaming out. Like you can... There's science and data that talk about... For example, did I tell you about grass, when you cut Grass. That when, I did tell you about that. Like when you cut grass, if, if it smells like cut grass really sharply, it's because it's screaming out for water. You're like, I didn't know that grass had feelings. So when I kick the grass, I'm hurting it. No, no, I'm like, I'm not a weird hippie. But like literally there's science that shows like when you, when you make a tree weep, you've heard of making a tree weep. Like you, you're knocking a hole into it so you can extract some sort of sap or syrup or whatever these things feel. Trees of the forest will sing for joy when the Lord rules. Jesus in Luke chapter 19 he was talking about worshiping God. He said, if you don't worship, then even the rocks will cry out. Everything obeys God. Except for us. Everything obeys God. The goal of all creation, the goal of all creation is to point to God. And most of it does just does, does it just by doing what they were intended to do? I mean, because like trees aren't, they're not holy. There's no soul in a tree. There's no soul in these fish. For some reason, you know, animals will be in heaven. I didn't, you think, I didn't used to think that they would be, but then I realized in the book of Revelation, it talks about Jesus riding on a white horse. Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, that there's a lion in heaven. And I'm like, huh, there are animals. I don't see dogs in there, but I do see that cats are there. Interesting. I'm just kidding. They're all there. But they don't have souls. And yet they still do what they're intended to do. And by doing what they're intended to do, they're giving God glory. Except for us. But then God said, verse 26, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness. Now, last week we talked about the Trinity. Uh, we talked very, very briefly about the Trinity. The belief that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three in one. We call it the Godhead. Here's one of those verses where we find a, the, the plurality there. that We see more than just God the Father present. We see that there is more God than just God the Father right here in this verse. Let us make man in our image. Now, the word there for our image, or more specifically, and we'll see it in verse 27, but the, the word there is imago Dei. Well, that's what we have in the Greek, at least. Imago Dei. The image, imago, Dei, of God. It's only used in a couple different spots in Scripture, by the way. But before we get to it, I want to tell you a couple quotes from people. Author Ryan Peterson says... That the Imago Dei tells us or answers the question, well, what is unique about us? Not just that we look different than a tree or, than, or we act different than a cat. Like what makes us unique? The Imago Dei is what makes us unique. Nothing else in all of creation, nothing else has the image of God planted on it or imprinted on it. Nothing else has the thumbprint of God directly on it except for us. We are special. We, there is something different about us. Pastor John Swan says, quote, The image of God is not a condition, but a calling or a commissioning describing the expected activity of humankind. Like when when the fact that we've got the image of God in us, or God's thumbprint on us, immediately commissions us that there's an activity that we are supposed to be doing that is separate than all these other things. And yet it's all these other things that are worshiping God. Scripturally, we see that the trees and the rocks, that everything that has breath will praise the Lord. We see in Scripture that these other things will praise God. And yet we are the ones who are... That's our design. That's our activity. And that's what we get wrong. And the reason why we get it wrong, in case you haven't caught on yet, the reason why that we get that wrong is that we don't understand fully the Imago Dei in us. We don't fully understand the image of God in us. Because we understood how and why we were created, then it would be a lot easier for us to live that out. God breathed His Spirit in us, specifically making us special, giving us a special role. So a couple things I want to tell you. Number one, we are image bearers of God Almighty. We bear the image of God Almighty. Like that is us. When God created us, He created us to bear that image. It's kind of like weird a Mississippi State jersey. Like, you wear, you, you bear that badge. Any of y'all have name badges at work? I, I, I'm, we're switching companies. And so, they said, James, just send me an image and we'll print it out and put it on a new name badge. And I thought about printing out Ryan, or like having them print out Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> just seeing if anyone, can, if anyone catches it, you know. Like. But imagine that. Like, you're given credentials. The name badge, I mean, you know who you are. You should, at least. But like, you know who you are. You don't need a name badge. You need a name badge for everyone else to know who, who you are and who you belong to. So imagine if I was wearing a McDonald's name badge going into Chick-fil-A to clock in for work. They'd be like, what? You don't belong here. My pleasure. Like, they would not let you in. They would be like, you, no, no, no. It's not, it's not the same thing. Or imagine, imagine like I was wearing, I used to work at Sears. Imagine, I did, I tried this once. Imagine going into Best Buy with your Sears name badge, and they're like, uh, You can't sell here. You don't belong here. In the same way, we are image bearers of God. Everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or not. Everyone has the thumbprint of God Almighty because God created us in such a way, like our design is to point to Him, our design is to bear His image to the world. I mean, we've got a few more roles, and we'll talk about it in a moment. But our number one thing is to bear the image of God. That's it. Let us make man in our image. That's the whole thing, according to our likeness. Not according to his own kind, where I'm not making a mold for man and a mold for woman and saying, like, I'm making you according to your kind. In fact, it's interesting with uh, the flood. when, When the flood happened, when God sent the flood on the earth, God tells Noah, he says, I want you to go and get two of every kind of animal. Two of every kind of good animal. And then I want you to get a couple bad ones too. And those would be feed and fodder for the rest or whatever. I don't know. But he's like, I want you to get two of every kind. He didn't say, I want you to get two of every kind of human either. He didn't say that. He's like, "Uh, I'm going to look for the only righteous people left. that Noah, that's you. Probably your wife. And maybe your kids. So just get you and your family and y'all go in the ark. He didn't say, I want you to get two of every kind of you. God's like, the likeness, the image bearers are different than everything else that God created. You aren't patterned after other people. You're patterned after God. So here's your first application. The next time you have a question about life, don't go to people first. Go to God first. I can't tell you, like, I, I see people, that's my job during the week, I see people every day, and they have an issue. And I'm like, well, let's look through it. And I'm their chaplain. I'm like, let's look about it. Let's look at it. You know, if you, if you looked at scripture. No, but I, I talked to my aunt Darcy or my so-and-so, whoever, or the, the lady that gave me coffee at the window. Like she, she had, like, like really big gauges in her ears, but I felt like she knew what she was doing today. Um, and she also did talk about crayons and rainbows, but it was really applicable, and I liked it. You can talk to those folks after you've consulted Scripture. Scripturally speaking, you are supposed to consult those that are older in faith than you, like not by age, but like those who have been in faith longer than you, those who are wiser than you. Like We are to go to them. Paul talks about it to the letters in Timothy. He's like, hey, the older in faith should teach the younger in faith. We are supposed to do that, but specifically speaking, we go to scripture first and we're like, God, how am I supposed to do this? Because God is the one who created us. We're his image bearers. It would not make sense for a tree to say, hey, hey, grass, I'm feeling a little dry today. I need to talk about this. Wait, they're not anthropomorphic. They can't do that. What do you, you get the point. It would be so weird for you to – it would be so weird for you to go – to a Chick-fil-A employee and ask them about a bunion in your toe instead of going to talk to a doctor instead? And how how often do we go to someone else before we go to God with a problem about life? We do scripture. We do prayer. So, we are image bearers of God Almighty. We represent to others what God is like. Now, Jesus fulfills... This whole covenant. So when Christ comes, he fulfills everything that God has promised. And, and we'll talk about covenants in just a moment. But he fulfills everything that God has promised. And everything that's supposed to work in a relationship. So much so to the extent that in, in Peter's first letter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, he says that we are a chosen nation. A royal priesthood. A people belonging to God. He's now saying like we, there's this divineness, this kingliness about us because we are image bearers of God Almighty through Christ and Christ alone. He's, he's pointing out that there's something else besides us being good people when we are connected to Christ. We show others what God is like because our King has spoken and He's given us authority. Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, He's died, He's risen, and He says right before He goes back to the Father, He says, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." He's like, so therefore, I'm giving it to you, and I want you to go out and make disciples of all nations. He's not saying, "I want you to go be good people at work and clock in and clock out and like you know, obey the speed limit." He's saying, "I want you to go make disciples of everyone." I want you to go show everybody that you're around what God is like. And when you're done with that, go show everybody that you're not around what God is like. Because God is worth it all. Because we are image bearers of God, we are not to produce God down to images. This is a little caveat here. Uh, so in the book of Exodus, God gives Moses ten commandments, you remember. And so God says the very first thing, he's like, uh, you, should not, you don't worship any other gods. And then he says, and I don't want you to make false idols. People are prone to try to fashion something that they can give their time, attention, money, and focus on. Because it gives them comfort. I have a guy I I go and visit once a month. And he has, and I like it. I really like it. But all his entire room is all Saints football stuff. And he's got a couple really expensive, like he's got a, a Super Bowl Football autographed by all the Saints players from the Super Bowl that they won. Well, Super Bowl 40. He has all, all of it signed right there. And I'm like, man, he must pay a lot of money for that. Poor fellow, like he has no money now. None. But some people like they have these things that they collect. And they're like, I'm gonna put all my time and all my attention, all my energy into this. And it's good to have a hobby, but man, not at the expense of forsaking your family and forsaking your, your friends and forsaking your God. God's like, I don't want any idols because nothing can capture who God is except the little images he's already created. The reason why God says, I don't want you to make images is you can't reduce down to anything created because God's already created a little image of himself. And that little image of himself is you. Possibly, why we shouldn't create, artificially speaking, more people. And I know that that debate's long gone. We don't talk about human cloning anymore. But we are, we are not God, and we are probably not in the position to where, we, especially dinosaurs, and we saw what happened there. Here's another application. If you've tried to reduce God into idols. You need to get rid of them today. You need to smash them. You need to get them out of your life. Well, what, James, I, have, I don't have, I'm not like the lady at the donut shop and I have like a little altar shrine there and I don't feed it donuts. How am I doing this? Well, here's some ways that we have idols in our lives. Our identity. Some of us, we have the idol of identity. Like we put so much stock into who we are, our skill set and what we look like, our job. And uh, like if, if I could tell you, when I, when I would meet people at churches who say that they were in leadership, but they, they work 60 to 80 hours in a week, I'm like, man, I'm so glad that you're skilled at what you do, but your, your idol, has, one of your idols is probably your job. And I told the guy to his face that, and he didn't like me for a long time afterwards. But that's one of the idols that we have. Another idol that we have is money. Money becomes a quick idol because it's like, what can I do to make more? What can I do to protect it? What can I do to... And it's good to save. It's great to give. It's great to be open-handed with it. It's great to be structured and smart. To be wise. There's so many Bible verses about being wise with our money. But for some people, not all, but for some, money's an idol. For some people, stuff is an idol. I just want more stuff. I have a stuff addiction. I need, need more and more and more and more and more stuff. For some of us, our physical appearance. With idols in the way, we can't adequately point to God. So, when God says, let us make man in our image, we are the little images of God to the world. So, number one, we are image bearers of God Almighty. Number two, we build life. We see that in verse 26 when he says that they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, the creatures that crawl on the earth. Like we have authority over everything because our King gives us the authority. So the question is, well, Gent, how do we rule rightly? I want to think about like this, this: this seed here. The Bible Project people, by the way, they have a lot of stuff on right now media that you'll enjoy. But the Bible Project people, when the question is, well, how do we rule rightly? They say it all gets it all gets dumbed down to gardening. We're supposed to garden for God. Like maybe not really gardening. But he says, quote, We rule the earth by cultivating it, by harnessing all the earth's raw potential, and then making something more and new out of it. Or another way of putting that is that we add value to humanity. Image bearers of God add value to humanity. Like It's like taking a seed. We care for these relationships. Let's just talk about our relationships for a moment. We care for these relationships. We cultivate these relationships. And by getting deeper into these relationships, by growing deeper into these relationships, these relationships grow and they multiply and they get bigger. And eventually these relationships, these circles, these groups grow and grow and grow. And then by then you have a community. And before you know it, you have a new you have a huge community. That's actually how towns were made. They went from little townships to villages, or villages to townships to towns, to cities, to metropolises. You see that? That's how businesses grow. That's how marriages grow. That's how families grow. That's how friendships grow. You take it like a little seed and you cultivate it. And you work on it. And you spend a lot of time on it. We add values to others when we live rightly as God intended. It's our new self, like Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 brings it up this way. Paul's writing to the church. You'll probably want to look at this. It's Colossians 3. Pretty much 5 through 15, but we're going to start in verse 10. Paul says, Put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge. According to the image of your Creator. In Christ, there's not Greek and Jew, it doesn't matter who you are, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, it doesn't matter because Christ is in all and is all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, again, as his image bearers, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another. I want you to listen to the language of what he's saying here. Bear with one another, forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. And above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Verse 14 and 15. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts. Again, the image that we're using of ruling. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ will wretchedness dwell richly in you. We add value in Christ when we rule that way. When we rule that way, verses 12 through 15, when we're doing these things for one another, we add value to people. Consequently, we take away value from Christ when we rule, like verses 5 through 9. He says, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Again, the whole idea of making idols. Why? Because we're image bearers. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. He says, but put away all the falling. Put away anger and wrath and malice and slander and filthy language from your mouth. I was so happy. I messaged Blake yesterday. I said, I put up a fan and I didn't cuss. That was fantastic. Scripture literally says, put away filthy language from your life and I was so excited I did yell at my daughter one time and a lot of people heard and then someone even heard over the phone and that wasn't fun I did, I did yell at her one time and that wasn't fun but I was so excited I'm like oh sanctification I'm 41 this is working God this is working and the fan works so, so fantastic don't lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and then verse 10 and put on the new self So when we rule in such a way, when we live in such a way, when we're bearing images of anger and malice and lust and sexual morality and filthy language, when we're putting this forward, we're not bearing the image of God rightly. We are not adding value to anything. That's why I can't listen to certain podcasts. Like If there's too much of any of those things, I can't listen to it because like that's just getting my mind in a weird spot. That's why I love 90s music, but when, when, when Tupac comes on and it's not Dear Mama, but it's one of the other ones, I'm like, I'm going to have to skip that and see if there's a clean version of that somewhere. We need to be image bearers and live the way as God intended. This is our new self. Our new self says, let the, the peace of Christ rule in us. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever lived, verses 5 through 9, there in Colossians 3 have you ever done one of those things in that list that I just read the lust or sexual morality or the cussing or the evil desires the greed, the the anger have you ever lived in such a way that like a kid nearby calls you out on it I have I have my son does that to me daily I'm like thank you for the lessons in sanctification getting closer to Christ, thank you I don't say that to him because that would be wrong but if you have a kid, they will call you out on it all the time. Or if you're near someone else's kid, they will do that. It's why God gave Moses so many laws. If you ever wondered why the Jewish people had like over 600 laws? It's why they have so many laws on morality. They have purity laws. They have criminal laws. They have hospitality laws. Like what you should do with one another. How you interact with other people affects how you image to how you image God to those around you. So essentially, we need to be good humans because God's created us in such a way that if we live the way Jesus has asked us to live, then it will add value to the people around us and to the world at large. So, verse 27. So God created man in his own image, he created him in the image of God. He created the male, female. Now, the only other spot in Scripture where that is, where that is, is Genesis chapter nine, verse six. It's the only other place where that explicitly is used. Genesis chapter nine. The flood has come. The flood is has receded. God is speaking to Noah. And I'm going to read these scriptures to you, or if you have your Bible, going and flip along. God blessed Noah, verse 1, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Which is the very same language that we'll see in verse 28 in chapter 1 in just a moment. The fear and terror of you will be in every living creature of the earth, every bird of the sky, every creature that crawls on the ground, and all the fish of the sea, they are placed under your authority. He's reminding Noah of what he said to Adam and what he says to us as image bearers. Every creature that lives and moves will be food for you which is different from the creation in the in the creation before sin they only ate vegetables and fruits they didn't they didn't eat they didn't eat meat Every creature that lives and moves will be food for you. As I gave the green plants, I have given you everything. However, you must not eat meat with its lifeblood in it. Why? And I will require a penalty for your lifeblood. I will require it from any animal and from any human. If someone murders a fellow human, I will require that person's life. Why? Whoever sheds human blood by humans, his blood will be shed. For God made humans in his image. In his imago Day is what the Hebrew would say. But you be fruitful and multiply, spread out over the earth and multiply on it. This is the first covenant. Uh, And a covenant, and I've done a couple of your weddings, a covenant, and we know this, is a a relationship between two parties saying we are working for the common goal together. It's not contractual. You do this, and I'll do this. You do this, and I'll do this. It's not that. Uh, Covenant is we are working towards this together. And when one of us slips or falls, we're going to help the other one up because we're moving towards this together. So God, in his sovereignty, looked at Noah and said, hey, I know I said this to Adam. I'm going to make it plainly clear in a covenant relationship with you now. We are moving towards this image-bearing relationship together. Here's Here's what I want to do. And I promise you, you do these things. And I help you with these things. You will be bearing my image. And you will be fruitful and you will multiply. I promise you. The unfortunate part is the contract after sin entered the world. After man and woman decided that they wanted to make themselves they wanted to bear their own image and they wanted to make themselves like God. Everything changed. Everything broke and everything changed. So God restarts humanity but the express law for his image bears. as you image me, you add value. As you show the world what I'm like, you're adding value. So, verse 28. So God blessed them and said to them, what? Same, same wording that we just saw in chapter 9, right? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Four things. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. And then what? Rule. When we take what God gives us, we build fellowship. And then from building fellowship, we begin to multiply. We begin to fill the earth. And all the while, we're able to subdue it. We're able to rule. We're able to live the way God intended us to live. We create good in the world. We add value to the world. What do we need to do? We need to image God the way he created us to do it. At C112, we encourage each other. I just had to have to talk with my two oldest ones outside before we started about how they were greeting people. And uh, not specifically how they were greeting you, but how they were talking about each other as they greeted you. And I said, hey, at C112, we encourage each other. You don't have to leave here happy because there's going to be times in Scripture where God's going to convict you through His Holy Spirit. Like, crud. I don't need to cuss when I'm putting fans in. I don't need to cuss around my kids. I don't need to like, chase after money. I don't need to become a workaholic. There's going to be times where God's going to convict you through his word. Things that need to change in your life. So you're not going to feel happy when you leave. You can be happy that God thought enough of you that he wants to change you. But you might not leave happy. But we are always here to encourage you. encouragement isn't always happiness encouragement is like lifting you up so I had to tell my kids hey we encourage each other part of our mission is to serve well part of our part of our our vision is to serve rescue rebuild and repeat that's what we do we serve each other, we serve the world, we help, we help rescue people out of darkness, and we, we open the doors for them to see what we have. Because a lot of people out there, they're not living their lives as image bearers of God. And they're missing that. And so everything around them is broken. But if we can help rescue them and show them the root issue, that they're not bearing the image of God, and then they need to turn their hearts to Jesus. Then we help rescue them. We help rebuild lives and marriages and relationships and friendships and communities and schools. And then we repeat it over and over and over again. Or, as God says, we be fruitful and we multiply and we fill the earth and we subdue it. So how do we do it? Here's your second application. We'll be done. We need to build community. We need to spend time together. We've said that ad nauseum. We need to spend time together. We need to encourage one another. I want you to text somebody this week, maybe somebody in this room that you haven't messaged in a long time or maybe ever. Message them this week and say, "Hey, how can I pray for you today?" And then pray for them. I think that'd be really nice. That's simple, isn't it? For some of us were socially introverted and we're like, oh, "I'm already getting anxiety. I'm going to pass out." But like, that's how we build community, and that's how we know when there's something wrong with one another. That's how we know how to encourage each other. The image bearers of God add value to humanity because of Christ. He is our goal. When we point others to Christ who reconciles us to God by His blood. My question is: we close this. How will you add value this week? I've got, some, I've got some seeds I'd love to give you. These are seeds that you can plant September, October, or November for some of them. But I've got some seeds. I've never planted something from a seed and it worked out. But I want to try. I think how what a cool visual reminder that would be if we take a pack of seeds and I'll give them to you later. If we take a pack of seeds and we plant something then every time you walk by it you water it or you take a look at it you're like oh I need to add this or I need to add that every time you cultivate it you're reminded of what your main role in life is is to cultivate relationships and to, and to rule and to, to image Christ to the world. Honey. And maybe even as you like pass that plant, you can ask, you can be reminded, well, how can I add value today to somebody? And then you pray, God, help me to add value to somebody today. Jesus, thank you for your love, your grace, and your goodness. Jesus, it's my prayer that we image you, that we point the world to who you are and what you're like. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it was encouraging for you and that you have a great week. God bless.